your beard is big, but it's still kind of just it, you still just have like a chin beard. Yeah, your, your beard always your beard always fascinates me because it, you you really hit that chin hard. Well, it's because I I don't like my lack of chin otherwise. So, but what about your jawline? I I don't feel like I have a good jawline. That's but that's because there's no long hair on your jawline. What do you mean? On the side? No. Oh, over here. Your yeah. No. Uh. Well, see, Elizabeth doesn't like it to be long on the sides. But it's something for her to grab onto. <laughs> is that the best usage of a beard? Th- this is uncomfortable. <laughs> And speaking of uncomfortable times, welcome back, listeners, to Nashville CA, a podcast which claims to be a movie podcast, but often veers way too deeply into two people's mental health states as (laughs) they hang out and explore friendship. We have watched a hundred movies together. We basically didn't know each other before this podcast started. And now we are here some two and a half years. I you're, you're gonna have to help me with that math. Right? Um okay. I did I looked this up earlier. Uh May twenty fourth, twenty twenty one was our first published episode. So just about two and a half years. Yeah. I basically I you basically nailed it. nailed it. Yeah. Thank you. As I always do. My name is Sean. That voice over there is my wonderful co-host and friend. Now I can say after a hundred movies, <laughs> we are officially friends. Oh, Hi, Josh. Hi, Sean. I like that we broke that seal. Like we we've we've crossed that finish line. We've broken that tape. We're we're friends now. Staying at your house. And meeting your family and having meals with your family was not what certified us as friends. It's podcasting 100 movies together. Yes. That's spending actual time, all of the chatting in between the podcast, all of that, none of it matters. None of that counts. No, and it's funny, you know, because during COVID, I thought like, oh, you know, when you make friends with online people... It, like they they are truly my friends and it, it's really this amazing thing and yet when i hung out with you nearly every moment was just seeped in awkwardness of just being <laughs> uncomfortable to be near you i'm glad you felt the same way sean it's great <laughs> so um this show has been uh defunct for a little bit never dead never declared never dead just uh you know i watched this documentary uh about this deep sea diver and it, those guys who are like way underwater and they dive from a bell and they go down and they have warm water flowing through the exterior of their suit to keep them warm and they're connected via the hose back to the ship. Mm-hmm. And so, and then this guy got deconnected 
disconnected mm. and he just like froze but he was so cold and his body was so oxygenated that after like 30 minutes of him being disconnected from everything they were able to finally rescue him and pull him up and he was fine and that's what this show is. <laughs> this show it was on the frozen frigid ocean floor mm-hmm Lying there, motionless, shivering. But we're back in the diving bell now. We're back in the diving bell. Here we are, Nashville, CA, back at it, ready to keep doing some fucking double features, except not today. No, Today's not today. a special day. Today, we're just doing a uh, 100 movie retrospective. And... I don't have any big plans for this, but I have some categories that we can go through. I came up with a few, uh, like little mini, mini topics to visit. Wonderful. Well, I have our letterboxed playlist. Uh, oh, where's that? Pull, pull, pulled up here. Oh, it's, uh, I, I'll share it with you. So it's all 100 of our movies and they're cl- uh, chronological. So. It, it's easy to see what we paired with what. I posted it in the general. Okay. Bing bong. Oh, look at that. I, yeah. I love to see it. Um, what? We, we should start with some of the, the lesser categories before we hit some of the big ones. Oh. Right? Unless, unless you want to do it like modern Oscars, where they throw out one big one. I, I don't like that, though. No, no. Let's, uh, let's try to ramp it up. Although I feel bad because I, I went pretty heavy, I feel like. So, what you got? Okay. Well, um, God, I can't start negative. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a couple negative ones, and I feel weird about even including them. Yeah. Well, let's let's each let, let's get a negative out of the way. Okay. Biggest waste of time. Ooh. The biggest waste of time award. The biggest this, waste of time. This this award is a shout out to your flaky friends who have made <laughs> me watch Ms. 45 <laughs> and Nobody. Uh-huh. That was one of our episodes that I took complete notes for. That was a double feature. Mm-hmm. And I also watched The Godfather and took notes on that. Mm-hmm. And that just fizzled out. Nothing ever happened. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to say that watching The Godfather was a waste of time, but th- this all was a fucking waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is beyond and I valid. Still, it's and it also annoys me because I still think that Ms. Forty Five and Nobody would be an interesting episode, especially because I I don't like like rape revenge films. Mm-hmm. But I actually thought Ms. Forty Five was really interesting. And its presentation. And, and, and there was a lot to talk about with that movie. Absolutely. And that was one. Um, oh, geez. I don't want to like 
put anybody on blast in particular. Uh, okay, I'll do that. Uh, but the person that suggested that, I feel like had a lot of really good insights and stuff when we were talking beforehand. Um, and then up until very recently, just kind of disappeared off the face of the planet for me um, and has not been responding to things. But then comes back with like a lot of good insights about another movie I had posted about. So I have no idea what to make of that. But we, sh- we should have gone on and just just ran on with the episode anyway, I feel like. I'd be down to do that. Yeah. Except now it's been so long that I'm going to read my notes from the movie and be like, what the fuck was I talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the way that I take notes. Um, All right. Well, what's one of your negative or, or well, first, what, what was your biggest waste of time? Ooh. How about when you spent nine hours for Stalker? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I feel like that was personally enriching at least. Like that, I got I mean, something talk, out of that. I, I'm never going to discredit anyone for deep diving into uh Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you're all right on that. I actually kind of feel like my not quite as deep of a dive, but into our first episode for eight and a half because I don't know what there is to discover about eight and a half, except for your personal reaction to it. Like reading any kind of scholarly work about it, I feel like is it's interesting, but it's all like post facto stuff. And it, none of it actually hit me the way that, you know, it's not a puzzle. That movie's not a puzzle, but I treat it like it's, one. <laughs> yeah. Except for the fact that I remember after we recorded that episode, I remember asking you, Oh yeah, what does that title mean? <laughs> <laughs> we never fucking went over the, what the title meant, and it's basically like the title ties the whole movie together about Fellini's eighth movie or ninth right. movie. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I got a. I got another one. How about? How about a movie you were too easy on in your review where going back now and looking back, you're like, oh, I was, I should have been harsher on that. Mm. Now, would this be, personally, I don't like it as much as highly as I reviewed it? Is that what we're talking here? Yeah, like, I think sometimes, especially early on with this show. It was such a nice vibe. Mm-hmm. It was such a nice time that I was hesitant to really like crush a movie that you suggested because mm-hmm. you're my new friend and we're both sensitive. And I did. I, I, it took me a while to to really embrace that uh, the shows need like. Real opinions. That this is funny because um, one of my categories is movies we were too hard on. Oh, okay. So, interesting. And I have one. I have a couple for you, but I think uh, this is one that kept jumping out, and I couldn't find a category for. But it fits perfectly here uh, because I find this movie to be such a downer, 
and it it, it has stuck with me in a bad way, uh, and that would be Dead Man's Shoes. I could see that. Yeah. It's... I... When I want to rewatch that movie, I want to rewatch Patty Considine mm-hmm. and his scenes and the music. But there's so much real, like, just true bummer stuff in that movie that I I, I get that. Uh, it, it's a tough one to reflect on and and feel good about um and who what was our pairing for that what was our pairing it was dead man's shoes and borderlands no dead man's shoes in the fog was that our pairing i'm trying uh Yes, because it was Prince of Darkness and Borderlands. So yeah, with Umar. Yes, and that was def- that was by far our longest episode. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, longest episode award goes to Umar with Dead Man's Shoes in the Fog. Uh, I could absolutely see it. I I I like the direction, and I think now. I just don't want a movie to be that much of a bummer. And there's ways to tell that story without being so depressing. But at the same time, I don't know. We we need to have room for ultra depressive movies. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what is yours for, for that? Do you have one? Uh, for, Oh, cat- uh, ones I was too easy on? Yes. Home for the Holidays. That's that's probably that's, fair. That's one where I, I, I went soft on you. And looking back, the only thing I liked about that movie was the part where the dad reflects on mm. this moment with his family watching the airplanes take off. And then the movie fucking goes and then films that and shows that. And I'm like, well, you took you, you showing me took the magic and Downey Jr. was f- so fucking annoying in that movie <laughs> that like I still it still works me up to think about his performance. So that I don't know. I didn't like that one. That that's. That's probably my main one. Okay. Uh, I I didn't expect get, that. Let's get into a. Uh, oh, how about this one? Uh, veto award. I think this might only go to me, but it's movies that have been suggested by a guest or podcast co-host, mm-hmm. and I. Just was like, no, I don't want to watch that. And uh, this this movie goes to White Hunter Black Heart when we did our Clint Eastwood episode, mm-hmm. which is about uh, some famous director 
going out and while he filmed a movie in Africa, he just shot a bunch of elephants and lions or something. You know more about this than I do, Josh. And yet none of it is springing to mind other than your description, uh, which I think well, is fairly apt. It it seems like a bummer in like a way that I don't want to visit with a, a retelling of actual world animal cruelty, which I don't necessarily need in my life. Yeah, I, it's I'm so happy to talk about fictionalized violence, um, but animal violence is just where where's this episode gonna go how it it just that just didn't sit well with me and so that's i think that's the only time i have just basically said no to a movie so i haven't flat out said no but i have um successfully moved the goalposts multiple times on um any Gaspar Noe films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Uh-huh. I showed I showed Sunday morning Sunday morning movie club um Enter the Void mm. and it was met it was met with uh I'll say how how do you say not critical acclaim? Ooh, a drubbing. It received a drubbing. Well, with that movie, it's more of a drugging. Mm. It's a very druggy movie. Um, I'm still going to make you watch Gaspar Noe movies, though. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We did Vortex, which does not endear which me to the, the man. That, but that's like the least Gaspar Noe movie of all of his movies. Mm. That's That's him almost feeling like he's intentionally putting handcuffs on everything that he was which was loud music and flashing lights and heavy editing and forcing himself to slow down except for the two camera thing so is he uh your description of him makes me think of like a, just a depressed Baz Luhrmann yeah because we all know who Baz Luhrmann is uh, Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, uh, Moulin Rouge. Do you mean Romeo plus Juliet? Yes, I do mean Romeo plus Juliet. Equals good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would die for you. I would cry for you. Yeah, that soundtrack rocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, was very much a, that was very much a movie of that really defines that time where I was a kid, but my sisters who were six and nine years older than me were into the MTV generation. And I was just kept catching glimpses of it here or there and getting pulled into things. So that movie was absolutely one of those things where I would have had no knowledge of it or watched it had it not been for my sisters being into it. Which I think is fair. If for me it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it went on. I was a third wheel uh, on a date to go see that for the first time. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Legend, legend of the world, we a legend, <laughs> always in the way. Uh, so this is something, it's not like a an award topic, but um, we've talked a lot, and you've mentioned it uh, in chat different times, how you have come down from gore and violence. Especially like re the terror the t- terror what those films those fucking films called terrifier terrifier yeah not te- terrorizer or ter- tenderizer and not terrified yes which now I really need to see because when evil lurks we're gonna we're gonna do a year end uh like best of twenty twenty three okay movie podcast so we'll we'll cover that cool uh. But yeah, I that's an interesting journey to me because I was never into like the faces of death type gore or whatever. Uh but have you softened or have you become more humane? Hmm. I just don't want to have a It's funny I say I don't want to have a bad vibe, but what it when I leave the theater but that's not true because when Evil Lurks punched me in the fucking stomach and I loved it, it was really, it's just, I don't want to be, I don't want to watch a torturous movie in the hands of an amateur director who's just using it as exploitation, which is what so much of the mid to late 2000s was, including Eli Roth. And I like Eli Roth. Uh, I was just listening to um, Greg, a previous guest. He has a great podcast, the Weekly Podcast Massacre Horror Movie Podcast, and they covered the Green Inferno. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a take which I absolutely agreed with, which is that Eli Roth is an, a very talented director who absolutely can make knows how to shoot and make a great film, but his tastes suck. He has the taste nearly of one of the bullies in a Stephen King story. (laughs) So, Oh, have you seen the, the, I've seen the red band trailer for Thanksgiving. I have, which is his, his next movie coming up. Mm hmm. And yeah, it, it it just looks brutally violent and it looks practical, which, uh, you know, I always love a practical, but you're not pulling me to a movie theater promoting just complete torture. The last time that happened that I went to a theater was Saw 3 and I saw Saw 3 in the theater and I I just felt like... That's that's probably that's probably enough of uh that torture porn for me <laughs> after seeing Saw 2 and uh Hostel mm-hmm. in theater it just it it ran its course and I'm also definitely more empathetic now of a person and far more sensitive of a person now at 37 than I was in my early twenties. 
that's besides saw uh the series which there's a certain level of like camp with saw stuff that i feel like that's the poster child for torture porn but it was not the worst of the torture porn or even the standard bearer necessarily no i've seen every saw movie Mm -hmm. and and i agree that what really kept me coming back to the series was my curiosity of how convoluted can they make this timeline and how fucked up and stupid can they make this timeline and then i saw saw 10 in theater they Mm -hmm. got me back in theater for saw 10 (laughs) Mm -hmm. and let me tell you i mean uh i was uh i think i was I, I had I had to put my dog to sleep last month and I don't I think I watched that movie before I did it. And so I was just I was in a vulnerable emotional state and watching old Tobin Bell sell his heart out in that movie, I was like emotionally touched by his performance and that feeling of mortality in it and i know i was just like right in that vulnerable emotional pocket but man i i thought that was a great movie really yeah i gave it a four out of five i was really surprised like i it's probably the best saw movie after one okay and i don't even know if one is that good I just Tobin Bell because they finally they finally made the movie where Tobin Bell gets to be the star in it and he's always been the best actor in the series. Uh, and yes. so we finally fucking get to just spend time with the character that we've always wanted to spend time with and dude that man just sells it. Let's see. I was trying to think because I had intentions to go see it and did I go see the uh, the new Exorcist instead? Or the Royal Hotel? There was something where I missed a showing by a few minutes, and I was like, meh, I'll go see a different thing. And, uh, yeah. It sounds like I made the wrong choice, no matter what it was. Maybe. Um, next category I have is... Biggest surprise, which I will say, I'll recategorize this maybe as um, highest rated movie that you hadn't seen that was suggested from the show. Mm. See, so I have. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, that's two different things to me. I have on my list um, the my favorite new to me movie. And then my favorite movie that you exposed me to, favorite movie that I'm that a guest picked. Okay, I I can I can separate mine. Okay, I, I have a biggest surprise. Okay, biggest surprise. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, okay. That movie set its anchors in my heart, and it hit me at the right time, and I needed it. And I needed that message of 
a fulfilled life is one with friends and loved ones. And especially during, you know, a, this show has spanned essentially, well, the show started a year into quarantine. Mm-hmm. So the show started at some tough times. At very, in a very dark time for me, personally. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And so that Christmas, to have that movie finally hit me, and I'd never seen it, and I'd always been kind of opposed to it, it it just struck a chord, and uh, it's it's one that I'll probably watch every year, because I just, I love the message, and, uh, uh fuck, what's his name? George Bailey. Jimmy Stewart. I can't think of it. Jimmy Stewart is amazing. That's uh, it's interesting. Like talking about as this show does, we devolve into our our mental health discussions. <laughs> but a uh, little bit at the the inception of this, um, I was undergoing some of the worst depression I've ever had. Uh, to the point where it was, they classified it as a drug resistant depression. Um, no amount of, of things, you know, that they would prescribe could help. And so I was, I, for a month, the entire month of May, 2021, I went to, uh, a center here and they shot, they shot lasers and magnets into my head to reactivate my happy places. I remember your photo. You looked like, a guy who played football in the 1930s, <laughs> but then it had a cyberpunk time travel machine attached to that leather helmet. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is my magnet yep. helmet. That's <laughs> I remember that. Yes. That was that was real early on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's not a good look for anybody. I highly recommend undergoing tms treatment if anyone needs it uh but don't take selfies because you look like a goober a big old goober (laughs) Um, uh yeah no this this show is traversed for me as well my my mental state now compared to when this show started is just just night and day Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain that uh how 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 far we've come and how much we've been through in the time that we've made this show uh what was what was your biggest surprise okay so this is different than my favorite film that you've introduced me to the biggest su- surprise uh has to be master and commander go on i had such a preconceived notion about this film that it was going to not be something I enjoyed and it was going to be kind of a drag to watch. Like it was going to be well-made and fine, but I did not expect it to be like a heartwarming story about these dudes (laughs) that happened to be on a boat. The trailers definitely sell it as dry historical nonfiction, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, O'Brien's writing and then Peter Weir 
bringing so many different stories from those books to life to create what's essentially a little anthology movie of short stories and vignettes contained in this larger arc of this boat that brings the entire thing to life. I'm really happy to hear that because I, that it master and commander makes my heart swell. And that's, uh, I know it became a meme, but just the, the opening text crawl, uh, is now it's ever people have tattoos. There's t-shirts of it and it makes me happy. I want that shirt. Yeah. I want that shirt. Uh, Okay, so what is the movie that you're glad that I exposed you to? And to give you a second, I can uh, I can pick this up. Oh, shoot, that you exposed me to, because my other two are guest-related ones. Hold on. Okay. Kay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, it, it is 100% Annihilation. Absolutely. Uh, Yet another movie, I thought that I had a bead on what it was going to be. And I was like, oh, it's, um, I had Annihilation and Arrival and uh, the the Nolan one, Interstellar, all kind of mixed together in my brain. And I'm like, yeah, it's um, probably slightly adult sci-fi kind of stuff. And man, Annihilation just blew me away and it continues to like, I think about it all the time. I listen to that Crosby stills Nash and young track a lot, uh, that they use in, in the movie. And I've watched it a couple times since then again. Uh, and it's just, it's been one of my favorite little pieces and that was an early on one. And it was like, it put me in this kind of different frame of mind for what the, the show could be and was going to be, uh, and who you were, frankly, for recommending it. So Awesome. I still think if we were going to do like a best double feature episode as far as just two movies that connect so perfectly, Stalker and Annihilation is definitely one of the front runners on that list. Mm-hmm. I Annihilation try. is amazing. I still get chills thinking about the ending. Uh, I, I, I love that movie so much and I'm just, I, I realize now I'm an Alex Garland guy. Did you watch devs? I, did you recommend devs to me? Yes. So I finally watched devs. Okay. I finished it and God, it was so slow, but so great. Because Garland shoots the hell out of that show, mm-hmm. and it just felt meditative and Tarkovsky-ish in ways, and just unlike anything else that I've watched recently, everything else is so fast-paced, and Devs really takes its time and settles into the vibe and the cinematography and the music. I thought it was great. And it, it it reminded me of kind of my some of my favorite parts of Annihilation. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, for Devs, it's like he got to play with all of the topics that he loves, um, you know, like free will and 
uh, artificial intelligence and what does mortality mean? Uh, but also the Nick Offerman in that show is so good. Like I love his character so much <laughs> from, from that. Uh, he's so wounded. He's such a broken person. Uh, and I love people who, who come from that perspective, that seemingly very real life perspective into like a high fan, high science uh, fiction fantasy like this. I really hope, I think this was a solo episode. Movie that you suggested, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was yours, right? I believe so. Let's see. What was uh, Planes, Trains, Automobiles? I, I, no, that I was you. Or maybe but I, I had never. Both. But I had never seen it before this show. Yeah, I probably did both because that was also home for the holidays. That was our uh, Thanksgiving spectacle. I had never seen this though. Oh, jeez. Well, all right. Well, that does that count? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take the W on that. All right, there you go. Okay, because you 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 were very supportive of that choice. Mm-hmm. That movie's amazing. I watch it every year. I watched it with my family after we watched it together. Yes. It, it it's there with Christmas Vacation as far as Christmas movies or Thanksgiving movies that are so dialed into the vibe of the season and are funny and they have just they have just the right amount of heart where it doesn't feel sappy and it doesn't feel hallmark and so those moments of heart feel good whether it's john candy you know near the end going into the house or Ugh. in christmas vacation when clark's dad tells him it's it's his turn to read the the night before christmas to the whole family and, and, and these moment these movies just knew how to have these real moments of holiday spirit and and John Candy's just amazing and to pair him with Steve Martin who's doing his dry sarcastic asshole stuff I love it I'll probably that's another holiday movie that I'll probably watch every year around Thanksgiving yeah, that's we have um uh, we've tried to have some Halloween movies here in my household, but that hasn't held up very well. Uh but we do have our Christmas uh, and New Year's movies. Um uh, and Planes Trains is on my personal list for that. Um Yeah. That that movie has no right to still be as funny as it is. And then punch me in the in the tear ducts like it does, and it hits so hard. Yeah, Candy, John Candy was amazing. Oh, now I'm getting emotional over John Candy. <laughs> That's all right. Um, let's go. Let's go real egotistical here. Okay. What do you think was your best? personal performance on an episode where you just really felt like you brought it or 
what you brought up, your insights were really good or you were just really funny, whatever. Like you were just, for whatever reason, you were just dialed in for that episode. Hmm. Okay. So there's a few that I feel like, uh, go together well for me. There's a couple, um, excuse me. Uh, I feel like I probably had a lot to say if I'm recalling correctly for the night house and broadcast signal signal, uh, episode, because I love those movies and this, the, the feelings and the thoughts that I traveled down watching those movies. Um, still, those ones are still like, uh, the movies themselves, our conversations, our conversations before we watched it or before we did the podcast about the night house. Uh, and all that has, that's stuck with me. And that's a movie that I absolutely love. Broadcast signal is a little shallower, but I still really appreciate that movie. Uh, so I feel like that was probably a high point for me. Virginia and I recently watched The Night House for our podcast, Well. I think you're wrong with you. Virginia and Sean. And um, again, putting dogs to sleep now, having an empty house, having two dogs a year ago. Uh, I still feel... I don't feel their presence, but I feel the expectation of them being in the house, whether it's when I walk back into the living room and feel like they'll be in there in the corner, or when I drop in something and make a big noise, I don't want to startle them. And um, the night house tapping into that feeling of us just always feeling that presence and by using that to like physically manifest itself in the architecture of the house mm-hmm. is amazing. The rest of the movie, I, I it's, it's really good, but it, it doesn't quite all tie together. But that idea alone and that representation of grief is something that I haven't really seen before. And it really connects with me. So, what is your best personal performance? Ravenous. Well, okay. Okay. No, but I... <laughs> I I was just... I, I was so happy to finally be able to dive so deep into that movie and be able to share all of the thoughts and insights into it and explain why Trek to the Cave, that song on the soundtrack, makes me cry. And I'm going to bring up Dog Death again. It was the last movie Ripley and I watched the morning before I put her to sleep. And Boyd's journey. Uh, when Boyd is like heading back after he eats Neil with the blue eyes. And that song plays as he's like trekking through the snow. I just connected with that moment of like, all right, I'm going to pull through this and it sucks right now. And I'm going through like the hardest time, but I'll pull through it. And so that movie like just meant a lot more to me after that. And 
just continues to add up. And uh, yeah, so that I was just so excited to share my passion for that movie. And uh, I'd say another one that I'm really kind of proud of is uh, Annihilation. I think our conversation about Annihilation and Stalker together, uh, especially for being like early on in our show, uh, that was such a deep episode and a tough episode. Like Those are just like really hard movies to talk about. And I think we did a really excellent job and kind of set the tone for what the show could be. Okay. So in your mind, does this go along with um, favorite conversation? Because I had a, I have a separate one for that. No, I, I, I have, I, I know my favorite conversation. Okay. I, I, I'll just tell you, it's, uh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums and Amelie, one hundred percent. Yes, that was that was just a a wild magical night, and we talked about heavy shit, and but we talked about it with a smile and a laugh, mm-hmm. and it was serious, and that. That episode was, again, really like, okay, this is what I want this show to be. I want this show to be so open and so honest that we we can talk about really, really personal things and relate them to movies, but then also always try to find healing through that conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and Courtney, especially since then for me, um, I talk to her multiple times a week, uh, still at this point. Um, I'm very proud to have her as one of my friends. She's, uh, doing a lot. And I think her vulnerability is what is helping her to succeed her openness. Um, she, I don't know if you know, um, Jack White's record store. He's got like multiple record stores, but here in town, they have a performance venue and she's been selling it out for, for her comedy, for her stand up specials that she's been doing. Um, and I, Hell yeah. and she's gotten a lot of recognition and is now going to be speaking at the bell court where we went and saw Nope, um, and doing stuff with them. Uh, and I really feel like her, she has a, inability to not be herself <laughs> which is beautiful i love that like she cannot put on a facade uh and i feel like we have a bit of that as well so that was a that's just a great conversation my other favorite one was probably the men round table uh because that was really not eye opening but it i felt like having a bunch of women talk <laughs> talk about how shitty men are in the the vast different ways uh it was very illuminating i loved that all of our guests on that episode seemed to have instant charisma with each other 
where that that episode needed very little hosting mm-hmm. from us. And so, yeah, I, I, I liked on that one to be able to just take more of a backseat and let the guests bounce off each other. I would like to do more episodes. That was such a fun episode. Mm-hmm. And, and it was insightful, too, because... I'm not going to learn anything if I'm the one speaking. <laughs> you know, it's not not really how learning works. I would say that's almost entirely true, but not quite entirely Sometimes, true. Sometimes, you're right. Sometimes yeah. I do stumble on my own personal wisdom where I'm halfway through a sentence and I'm like, oh my God, this is a cathartic feeling that's <laughs> unlocked a little personal piece of my... Also, I feel like this show in many ways has been a form of therapy for me oh absolutely yes so yeah and so and i do feel like listeners are kind of listening in sometimes on like a therapy conversation mm-hmm. that's gonna bring me to my worst performance oh shit my own personal worst performance okay Bone Tomahawk, the Descent episode. Really? We we recorded it late in the evening, and we were still really long-winded at the time about covering all the details of the plot, and I drank too much beforehand. And I just remember feeling... Just like a lack of charisma, and I like, I I I was dragging the show. I I I just felt like the show. I just wasn't there for it, and I was having trouble getting the momentum going. And yeah, no, it, it, it's it's one of the episodes where I was like, okay, I need to take this a little more seriously. Um, I've always been fantastic, and I will not hear a word otherwise. <laughs> otherwise, no. I mean, you're real consistent. I, I, I think you, <laughs> sometimes you're sometimes you're quiet. When I'll, I'll say sometimes yes. when we have a really chatty guest, uh, you don't butt in. Yes, uh, I I concur with that, and I I think that is one of my. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm doing that improv class. Like I'm working on that, like, uh, because I do tend to, I don't kowtow necessarily to stronger personalities, but I just step to the side. I don't bow my head to them, but I'm like, okay, you can take up as much room as you want. It's not affecting me. Uh, and I do that in good and bad situations. So. Yeah. That, that's all right though. Um, I'll, one category that I had was, uh, things I'm grateful for or or ways that this show has gotten me to grow. Mm -hmm. And the biggest one I would say is I'm such a better listener now than I was when we started this show Mm -hmm. because I grew up in a big family and at the dinner table, there's so many big personalities that I always like struggled to get a word in edgewise. And so I'd often have to find 
tight windows or interrupt, essentially. And I remember our first, especially once I started editing, but I'd listen back to some of our first episodes, um, especially with a guest. And granted, there were Zoom delays, mm-hmm. but every time I would cut someone off, it made me cringe so hard because I would just be like, let them finish, you asshole. And, or don't assume, or don't, they don't need their sentence finished, or don't assume what they're, go- how they're going to finish that sentence or that thought. And so this show taught me to shut the fuck up is really mm-hmm. what it like and and to know that I will have my time and my place in a conversation to express myself but if my friend needs to talk for 2 minutes straight in a monologue to fully verbalize all of their thoughts then I can just sit and listen to that and I'm really grateful cuz I genuinely think I'm a better person for that for that knowledge um it's interesting. So, dear listener, we did not really talk about what our categories were going to be beforehand. And I like the fact that we had parallel thinking on some of this stuff because that makes sense and it warms my heart. But uh, mine was going to be one of the biggest lessons that I've learned specifically with for the podcast. And uh, it is that I love asking questions. That's one of my favorite parts and it has has developed over time uh, and it goes hand in hand with what you were saying. Um, and I have to give a shout out to an actor that I've worked with a few times, uh, Jacob York. Jacob is one of the best question askers that I've ever met. And also one of the most intelligent actors that I've ever met. And I think those two things uh, are not co- coincidental. That's it. Acts, it absolutely feeds into what he does as an actor. Uh, and I feel like, that's my favorite part of prep for the show or has become my favorite part rather than like doing a deep dive on the movie itself is what is this going to trigger for you or for our guest? And I think it's so much more fun that way. Those are always the best questions. And for me, my mentor in that way, I feel like is Craig Ferguson Mm. watching the late, late show. And it took me a while to, to, to figure out how to, adapt and to ask questions like that but yeah that's that's definitely the most fun part of the show is i know how i'm going to react to an episode and spitting my opinions out on a microphone sure there's some satisfaction in it but what's way more fun is when i'm surprised by someone and that's like uh, my podcast with virginia mm-hmm. she she, she throws me for a loop all the time where I'm just, I'm just shocked by what she thinks or what her opinion is or what she finds cool. And it makes watching movies so much more fun than just cementing myself in my own opinions. And so I, one of the Craig Ferguson, the best, one of the best interviews he ever did was they had no audience in the studio and Stephen Fry came, and Craig Ferguson and Stephen Fry just had a conversation for an hour on oh, a late wow. late show. And people were like, "Can you like?" The executives were like, "You can't just like have a conversation with no audience." And you know, 
but one of the things that I, I remember, I have two takeaways from that, that I think Stephen Fry said both of them. One is everyone is interesting. Everyone has an interesting story. Everyone has an interesting take on things. There's, there's, there's not a dull person in the world. Maybe they don't, they can't quite express their things, their opinions, their thoughts, but there's not a single person that's boring, so to speak. And the second thing was, uh, he talked about that feeling of insecurity walking into a, a party like, I missed a year of school or I missed a class that where everyone learned how to socialize and how to be <sighs> confident. And now everyone else is walking around with a sword and I'm walking around with a Q-tip. And that idea, but of that we all feel that way of like we all feel like we missed that class and those two things from that conversation i really tried to take forward with me of both being fascinated by people and asking questions and also acknowledging that everyone has insecurities and i'm not special (laughs) In, (laughs) in, in my in my insecurities there's nothing special about me and how I feel awkward about things. And so everyone does. That is such a, a growth moment. And it's, but it's a lesson that I feel like you keep learning about different things about, uh, growing up or becoming an adult or working your way through the world, whatever it is. Um, like for me, the realization that, when I was a child, my parents didn't have a clue as to what was going on. And I've gotten older. They've gotten older. I realize they still don't have a clue. Like, tomorrow is a surprise to them. Uh, all kinds of things can come out of the woodwork and change your life. And you don't have any control over it, no matter how stable you seem. Um, and I think that's one of those things, like everybody's nervous about what could happen to them, the negative things that could happen to them. Um, and that walking around with a Q-tip, no one's got the sword. Nobody has the sword. We all have Q-tips. <laughs> we all feel that way. And I think that's, that's great and beautiful. Once you can acknowledge that we're all part of the same kind of struggling lump of humanity. Uh, that's, that's helped me with how I look at myself and the grace that I give other people. Wonderful. Yeah. Um. So let's let's go with least least favorite film we've covered. Ooh. Uh huh. See, I didn't even. I didn't. I'm gonna have to. All right. Oh. Uh huh. That no, it's easy. Easy. Yeah. Of all the movies we've watched. There's, uh, I, I, I'm going to do Outside Looking In. Okay. Outside Looking In, I have four. Okay. Vortex, Game Over, a.k.a. Code Pierre Noel, mm-hmm. The Sound of Music, and Possum. Okay. Those are, my, those are all floating around the bottom. Mm-hmm. Easily my least favorite, The Fun House. (laughs) I am not... 
Toby Hooper. <gasps> is he still alive? Mm, no, he he's passed. Okay. I'm still going to be respectful. Okay. Toby Hooper, you seemed like a very nice man. People really seemed to like you a lot. And you made art that was different and out there and your own. And you created your own style, which now people have mimicked. And for that, I have total respect for you. However, I think you suck. <laughs> I oh my don't God. like you. I don't like your movies. I don't like your taste. I don't like how gross you are. I just don't think your movies are fun. They devolve constantly into just women shrieking for the last 25 minutes, and it's really agitating to me. And you're gross, and I don't like mixing like weird gross like sexy stuff into horror movies and we recently watched eaten alive which is one of the worst movies i've seen in a long time also directed by him and uh yeah man <laughs> salute to you toby hooper i i would love to meet you in the afterlife and i think we would have a great conversation but god i don't like your movies um, that is, I, I automatically know my answer to another one, my, another one of my own questions now, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, okay. but my least favorite, it, it possum, my least possum, possum is my number two as yeah. far as rating goes. My, my least favorite single movie is possum. My least favorite double feature was the, uh, game over and rare exports double. Yeah, that one didn't work very well, especially for two Christmas movies, which are both bummers in their own special way. I still love Rare Exports, mm -hmm. but they do end up just human trafficking. Which still makes me laugh, so I don't know. I don't know. Oh, we're probably going to be talking about Seasoon and our end of the year episode but anyway possum i think what's really frustrating to me about possum is how how well acted and shot it is and i just didn't want that to be the story mm -hmm. and so everything was there except for the story and they could have made something so good and that was that was the biggest frustration with it it was such a letdown because especially in the first i don't remember how long 30 minutes or so i was really into it mm -hmm. uh i think <laughs> possum and dead man's shoes would be a hell of a double feature uh if, oh wow! Depressive, yeah. English walking around the countryside yes. movies, yeah. I like that. That's great. Yeah, that's really good. That'd be a that'd be a rough night. Look at you! Huh. Look at you! Huh. That's very good. Thank you. Um, I don't have many else. How about favorite movie that a guest? Do you have something like that? Favorite movie that I a do. guest brought to the show? I do. 
Uh, and I think it's a little, it might be a little outside, uh, but it's, it's probably drug war. I have two drug wars. One of mine. Okay. Yeah. Drug wars. One of mine. Go on. Um, first of all, going from a, a weak double to a strong double, uh, drug war raid two. That's a, oh. that is a great double feature. Oh, the raid too. <laughs> oh, the raid too. I still rewatch it. So, oh my God. That fucking movie. Um, that, that, I think that might be our, one of our strongest double features. Yeah. It's Drug a, War the raid too. It's a great double feature. That we had a great guest. We had a great guest to, to Greg's walk the us best, through man. Drug War. My Greg God. is the best. He is he is so smart about uh all of this stuff, especially genre and the filmmaking behind it. Um it's it is inspiring to me. Uh and that has been one of Drug Wars, one of my surprises of the whole show. Seriously, listen to the weekly podcast massacre and also subscribe to Greg on Letterboxd. I wish I could know what his uh name is right now on letterbox maybe while i fill but that guy writes the most in-depth thought out like beautiful they're better reviews than what i see professional critics write and that's just how he reviews almost every movie that he watches on letterbox um i believe it just is gregory james anderson it is his full name um, and w- there's been a couple times when he has liked one of my reviews and that gives me such a shot in the arm. <laughs> oh, I get, I get a flutter. Yeah. I get a flutter in my stomach. Cause like, Oh, Greg, Greg liked one of mine. Wow. Really? That's I, I'm fanboying a little bit over, over yeah. someone who's ostensibly a buddy, <laughs> but it's still, <laughs> yeah. it still makes me happy. You're right. Yeah. Gregory James Anderson eat. Three individual words. Yep. Um, so drug war is one of mine, and I love that you know, our conversation was so interesting about that movie is such a critique of the state while being a state approved movie by, by being so stupid mm-hmm. by how the bravado of the state cops and the action and the acting and how that story unfolded and it just moved. I love that movie. I need to rewatch it. Um, the other one, I'll say uh, another podcast co-host, George of the Best Little Horror House in Philadelphia, mm. brought Harlan County, USA to us to talk about with American Movie. I had never heard of that movie. I had never seen it before. And it's it's an incredible documentary. And it's one of those I'd say it's like one of the the top tier, you know, top twenty documentaries of all time. Um, I was figuring out a way, trying to figure out a way to work that episode in because George is great in both movies, and I don't think we have very many conversations that go by without uh an american movie quote sneaking in <laughs> at some point that's such a touchstone for us uh i think as individuals and collectively 
last night I was so drunk, man. I was calling Morocco, <laughs> trying to get the hotel Tangiers. That's pathetic, man. Oh God. <laughs> uh, your I still I still play. Mike does a little rendition of Mister Bojangles. I still play it, and it makes me smile and think of the movie and. Like, For the listener at home, Sean had me genuinely emotional during his whistling rendition of the song there. Uh, and then he turned it into a test of his superhuman uh, respiratory whistling, system. In, in, inhalational whistling yeah. skills. Can you, can you inhale whistle? I can barely outhale whistle. Or exhale whistle, depending on... But, okay, alright, oh, okay. Biggest jealousy from the show. Your mouth trumpet. Mm, now listen, you. listen to mine. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me, give me a song. To what's a good, what's a good mouth trumpet song? Oh no, I was, I was just doing one earlier. That's much like no. That's that's as good as my mouth mm-hmm. trumpet gets. Uh, now you hit me with yours. Uh, what? Um, that was also the soundtrack to NBA Street. Oh, from the PlayStation Two. Wow, <laughs> that's taking me back. Dude, that song rocks. That hip-hop song, oh my god, it's so good. Also, I like that I told you this would probably take us an hour. <laughs> <laughs> an hour 20 into this fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, so, what you've done here, Sean, uh, is known in the improv world as pimping. You've pimped me out for a particular skill uh, that you would like to see me perform for the audience. And now I'm yeah. feeling very awkward about it. No. Dance. Dance, dance clown. Dance, yeah. Uh oh. I lost it. How about how about how about how um how does how does the Beverly Hills song go? Beverly Hills cop song. Wow, four different songs went through my brain <laughs> and that was not any of them. <laughs> Hold on. Uh How the fuck does that Axel song? Hold on, I have to go on Discord and, and do Axel F. Oh my god, this is like my favorite song in the world, and I can't remember how. Here we go. Here, hold on, one second. Here we go. Oh, here we go. 
Do it. Uh, I, I've never, I've never tried. Mm. I'm so out of practice, too. I can't, Sean. I can't. I'm getting the sweats. Do it! I'm getting the sweats. <laughs> do, how do you think you're going to do improv if you can't do a mouth trumpet uh, on an audio-only podcast? Look how red your face is. I know. Why are you so embarrassed? Uh, what's a heavy sweatshirt I'm wearing? Why are you so embarrassed? It's the thick hoodie. That's me. That's me, by the way. That's Sean. Mm -hmm. That's Sean. Okay. It's weak. Okay. It's weak. It's falling apart. You did the second half of the riff. You did the first part. Okay. 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 All right. Biggest disappointment. You uh-huh. right now, right now, right now. <laughs> um, um, I don't have many more. I would say it'd just be like favorite movie, favorite movie covered. And I, how about favorite three favorite movies covered? Okay, before we before we do that, because I think that's that's higher than what I have for my last couple here. Yeah, uh, so am I. So. <laughs> uh i had movie that the other host was too hard on oh but now i see i now i need to look at uh i need to look at your list somehow so for me and i knew this uh fun house I I knew yeah. I knew you were going to slam Funhouse, so that's wanting too hard on, and I believe something wicked this way comes. Because no, that movie sucks. <laughs> you didn't even rate it on Letterboxd. You just logged it. You didn't rate it at all. <laughs> that's how you know you're really. <laughs> it's like the ultimate disrespect I can show a movie is yeah. like, oh that thing. Yeah, I watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll say I gave Marcel the shell with shoes on three stars, mm-hmm. and that's probably harsh, but I just was not in the mood for that little shell. I was not in the mood for the cute antics of that tiny little shell. I remember John was like, the most egregious part of your review is that you said that you don't find Marcel cute. And I was just not on board for that movie. Um, God, what were you hard on that I really love? Let's see here, by my rating. Uh, the movie while you're doing the movie, I was probably too hard on. Maybe Sandlot. It might be Sandlot. Sandlot didn't hold up for me very well, though. Okay, it just didn't really didn't really cut the mustard anymore doesn't trip your trigger not really god see that this is so hard because honestly you've never really in my opinion been hard on a movie oh okay 
I feel like you've never come out blasting a movie. I mean, I I really feel like you're you're it's great quality about you. You're always looking for the positive, but I don't think I've ever shown you a movie that you were like that you just hated. So I th- I think you just need to be meaner overall because I'm looking at every movie and the highest movies that I've rated I feel like you were always pretty close to on board with me. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of low rated. Uh, no. You've been very nice to all movies this whole show. Yeah. I'm, I mean, how many? How, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How many movies that we've watched have you rated below a two and a half? Um. Let's see, there's Sandlot, Possum, Game Over, Vortex, uh, Rare Exports is two and a half. So I've I've got five. Five okay, out that, of... That's actually... That's more than I expected yeah. for you. That's, that's what? Uh, 5%. That's 5% of the films. <laughs> Everything, so wait, everything that's else? More, how is that more than me? Because I... Really? Well, I didn't rate... Oh, alright, so that's... Yeah, I only have three. Funhouse, Possum, Sound of Music, I gave a two and a half. It... it <laughs> it's a classic movie, but... It, I don't want to watch that again. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you have any other? Um, did you have a, a, a most favorite double? Yes, it's, uh, I'm going to throw two up there. Okay. But. I'm going to also select one based on like just right now or just any given day. What do I want to watch? So the runner up is going to be Annihilation Stalker. The winner is the Raid 2 Drug War. Okay. I could host so many get-togethers and put the Raid 2 and Drug War on and just know that like I, I can guarantee people are going to have a good time. So, my runner-up would be Thief and Drive. That's a, That was a great one. Yeah. I, I, I was looking back on that and just looking at their posters right next to each other and how they have almost the same font mm-hmm. for their poster alone makes yeah i would love to watch both of those thief was a big surprise for me also because i had seen thief before once for sunday morning movie club 
And I was like, eh, whatever. I too much time with this adoption story. Boring. Watching it again. Oh no, Thief is amazing. Thief yeah. rocks. Uh but my favorite, the the thing that I could put on, I hadn't considered like entertaining others, but for myself, it would be Pig and Big Night. I need to rewatch Pig. Pig the last shot of Pig mm. has really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I liked our conversation about it. And Big Night was cool too. I I'm not I'm not compelled to watch Big Night again, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed um like for a food movie, that was really great. That's uh I mean they both speak to a lot of the same things for me about um, passions and art and uh, community and the importance of that. Um, yeah, I feel like they they go hand in hand and they, you know how you might gravitate to something that teaches you a lesson that you need to learn over and over again? I feel like that's those movies do that for me. It's one of those things of like, oh shit, yeah, okay. Got it. I am so incredibly frustrated with myself that I seemingly need to have the same cathartic lessons over and over again. And the lesson that I need to learn over and over again is just be kind in yourself, be kind to yourself, believe in yourself. Things aren't as bad as you imagine they are. And yet... This simple lesson is it's like uh the tide. There's like it ebbs and flows and I'm very coherent right now and I feel that message and I feel confident myself and I know that I've got this and I can do this and then the tide ebbs and then suddenly it's gone and I lose that confidence and then it flows again and I have that cathartic experience. I'm like, oh yeah, this is now now I remember now this is the time that I'm going to embody this energy and and live this life and it it reminds me sometimes there's a a documentary I watched about the guy who was the inspiration for Memento I believe his name is Clive Weering and he's a man who had uh his short-term memory was gone and he basically lived in about I don't remember how long his cycles were, 30 seconds or a minute, two minutes, something like that, uh, before his brain would basically reset and he would lose all the memories that he had just made. And they showed his journal and it was haunting and it stuck with me because again and again it said like, 8.38, right now, I'm awake. 8.42. Right now, I am 100% absolutely awake. Mm. 8.52. Now, I am awake. And, and that oh, that idea of needing to... Like, the feeling of, like, grasping cathartic moments of enlightenment. And as we grasp them, we squeeze them and they slip through our fingers. Only for us to need to reach out for them again. It's very frustrating. 
that's uh i think that we should each do a lot more uh meditative practices <laughs> i don't think it would harm us in any way shape or form to uh delve into into those personally the past four days that i've woken up I've started journaling for 10 minutes the first thing I do when I wake up. I don't even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I wake up, I pick up my journal on my nightstand, and I just dump whatever's on my mind for 10 minutes or so onto the page and write it. And it's been really helpful, I think, for me to break some of my spirals, as I call them, relating back to pi. And pie, relating back to my first tattoo, spiral on my forearm, mm -hmm. and breaking these thought patterns, these these bad spirals, and um, it's really helped, and it, it does feel meditative. I've also started doing yoga again, trying to get more consistent with yoga on days that I don't hike, mm -hmm. get some yoga in. I need to, uh, I had a good, like, 10 days where I was doing yoga and walking at least pretty much every day. Uh, and then I stopped doing it and I, I definitely don't feel better when I don't do it. So that should teach me something, but it doesn't. My regimen for the past five days, it's been funny. So I started journaling around that same time or a day before I was like, well, you know what <clears throat> I should, I went to a grocery store, and on sale they had uh, mushroom extract. So it's powder of turkey tail, cordyceps, reishi, lion's mane, all of those mushrooms powdered. Mm -hmm. And so then when I start my morning the past four or five days, I'll do a tablespoon of that in a glass of water and stir it up and it's disgusting and brown looking and I have to close my eyes and just chug it but then I also take a microdose of shrooms just over a tenth of a gram of psychedelic shrooms and then I also take my ADHD medication <laughs> and so I, I take those three things and slam them all first thing in the morning and just like alright body let's go <laughs> and you know what i've been really i've been i've been on top of my shit in the past week or two weeks i i've been taking care of some stuff so seems to be working that's that is impressive that is i like that you have uh that combination of things all happening for some it's hilarious i in a, a slow release amphetamine with a small dose of psychedelic and then like eight kinds of medicinal mushrooms in a liquid that I just chug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like your, um, you know, a psychonaut version of Rocky going out there and exploring your inner self and making you the best self you can be any given day. I'm not, I haven't had like a, a big trip in a while mm -hmm. uh, I'm due for one though I've been thinking of doing one where I just make some tea and then just go like face down in my bed 
and just start the trip in bed. So that way I don't have to go anywhere and I can just, my instinct when I trip is to always lie down. So why not just start lying down? Okay. Also, I recently got an, a face mask, an eye mask, and that's cool. That, that thing is. Like for sleeping? Yeah. It really helps. But I think for tripping, it helps with the closed eyes visuals and just close your eyes and go into the void. Uh, maybe it's just because of altered states, but I really want to trip in the float tank. I've done a float tank once, but I only was just, I had smoked a little bit of weed. It wasn't trippy, but uh, it was also a float room. And I think I would have had a more trippy sensation being in a float tank in Mm -hmm. one of those pods, as opposed to just like a room that was like a 10 foot by 12 foot spa with like the tub in the corner and you kind of crawl in there and it was a blacked out room, but. I think I was missing that William Hurt feeling of being sealed into a a closed vessel. Yeah. Also, that something. movie uh, that movie makes me nostalgic for being at your house. Yeah. It- I watched that at your place. I watched that in Boiling Point and The Legend of Riccio. I think those <laughs> are I think those are all the ones we watched at your place. Yeah. And then and then Nope in Theater. Oh, that was a good trip. That was a good trip for me. That was not a great trip for me. I good. miss it. That was fun. I'd like to come back out. Uh, do you have anything else aside from, like, favorite movie that we've covered? I don't know. No. I don't think so. All right. Well, I'm going to say I have two runner-ups. And then I will say my favorite movie that we've covered. Which basically relates to like my favorite movie of all time. So mm-hmm. I will say. Oh, this is tough. Runner up. The Raid 2. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then. Stalker. I need to rewatch Stalker again. I haven't watched it since we recorded that episode. And I find Tarkovsky... I really have to get into a mood to watch Tarkovsky. But... Stalker... I recently went, after I put Ripley to sleep, I went on a kayak trip out on this lake... And kayak to a campsite. And I was completely alone out there. There was nobody else camping at night. And it was just like miles away and no cell service. And I think Tarkovsky really tapped into something with both the healing and the dangerous parts of nature. And I haven't even really thought of that until right now. But you you can see how the stalker is healed by the zone, yet at the same time there are traps and all around him, and you have to respect the zone, and it really feels like nature. And as a camper, 
and backpacker and now kayaker. Uh, I, I, I really relate to stalkers vibe in there, but favorite movie, maybe my favorite movie of all time. Master and commander. I said it uh, when we recorded that podcast. I think it really dawned on me when we when I watched it and when we recorded that podcast that this may be the movie that just brings me the most happiness of any movie I've ever watched. And it's <laughs> really hard to explain. But I, 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 I'm, I'm also proud of that episode. Mm-hmm. And I think I did a good job explaining my emotional connection to it. And at the end, that feeling of, like, the adventure will forever go on, even in this, like, fictitious world, that it's always happening, it's always going on, even as things are hard and life is tough and life comes to an end, that the stories are always eternal and immortal. and. Uh, that movie is just amazing. And then the practical filming of it and everything that they did to make that movie magical as opposed to taking shortcuts. Um, yeah, it's probably my favorite movie ever made. I've been talking for like four minutes. Go ahead, please. <sighs> Finally. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So straight up favorite movie we might have to lean on that master and commander episode because um, the only movie that we've watched that I have a tattoo of is seven samurai, which pairs with that movie. Um, I believe that was like our, our dad movie or our dad movie episode. I mean, yeah, those are very dad movies. Seven samurai rocks. Yeah. By the way that, and I do feel like, Seven Samurai says a lot about it. It presents you with so many different types of um, honorability and masculinity in the world and shows them all going through this inflection point of this battle that's going to happen. Um, and it, you know, the, the, it affects me deeply um, seeing people from all different stripes come together and, give themselves up to a a small, it's a small good, but it is the greater good. It is, uh, they are selfless in their tasks. And I, I love that about it. Um, my main takeaways from seven samurai, excuse mm -hmm, me, are, um, the, the practical filming. And it's, it's one of the best representations of a, a movie presenting its geography mm-hmm. and then showing how it will be defended and then showing how it, it is then attacked. And the geography of the village is, is so known that I, 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 I knew what was happening strategically in that movie. And the other thing is um, the, the, rampage samurai that off the wall samurai i don't remember his performance Mm -hmm. that it was electric and you couldn't take your eyes off of him 
And it, it was just, just an incredible performance. And so th- those are my two real main takeaways. That was, that was one of my favorite movies that this show has introduced to me. Uh, the other one for me, um, that still speaks to me. And I think the movie that I've rewatched the most that we've covered, uh, is pig. I love pig. Um, the fact that it starts off, you think it's going to be like this action movie about someone steals his pig. Like that's kind of what the trailer made it out to be. Oh, Nicholas Cage is going to fuck some people up as he gets his pig back. Yes. Yes. Especially after, uh, cause that came after Mandy and color out of space and these like weird, um, kind of artsy films that he had been doing, but they were definitely genre films and pig comes out of nowhere. And I mean, it's about, there's so much in there about loss, uh, personal loss and connection and what we should do to foster those connections. Um, and the, the emotional ties that you see, like that he has abandoned, uh, and he has allowed to become fallow and then going back into the culture that he once knew uh, f- because of the one tie that he had left is gone. And it's so fragile. And he is such a um, a shell of who he could be because of how seriously he takes his loss and the fact that he does not seek community and it has made him a lesser person and he becomes greater uh, having gone through this journey and made these connections once again. Um, and I think just the existential nature of that monologue in the middle, um, where he talks to the other chef about what kind of restaurant do you really want to have? That's a devastating few minutes there, that little interaction that they have. Uh, and, that and the final meal that he makes. Um, and it's like separation, connection, food, bringing people together, the art, bringing people together um, and putting your love into something. And what do you love? And you should love it with your whole heart when you do. And that's just I, like, I'm getting chills thinking about that movie again right now. Well, you made me tear up right there. Just talking about loss and connection to passion and so many things and what I thought that was movie was going to be and you know, I, I the past month has been rough and then sometimes with grief I think I have a handle on it. And then I'll have a memory or I'll see something in my house and it'll throw me right back into that, that tornado. And I, I really need to rewatch that movie again because that movie is just about grief and loss. And it was so much more than what I thought it was going to be. And it was also one of, one of the first movies I believe I saw in the theater mm. after when co- uh, theaters kind of opened in the middle of COVID, I think, if I recall correctly. 
Um, oh, well, how about this? Biggest time you cried on the show. <laughs> For me, uh, definitely Arrival. Talking about Arrival. And it, it still relates to this day, but Arrival uh, after losing Buster and talking about like the pain at the end is worth the love that you get throughout before that pain and had like the 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 scale love always outweighs pain on those scales it's just hard because the pain is the last thing that we feel and so it's like it's hard to not have that be the last memory but um so yeah that was uh that that was a that was an episode that like just crushed me, but arrival was such a perfect metaphor uh for me at that time wow, uh nearly right there that was nearly my <laughs> <laughs> i'm emotional tonight i i'm I'm going through it man i it comes and goes, but i'm I'm just emotional at this time. My house is too quiet. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's not the same level, but, um, well, I shouldn't say that. Everybody's biggest pain is their greatest pain. Uh, yeah. We're yeah. not here to compare. No. Compare grief or whatever. Yeah. No. no. Um, but for me, my daughter going away to college lately uh, has made me so um, brittle emotionally that, I mean, just several times a day, I just think of her and the time we spent together. And I just have the thought that comes over me. Just, I love her. I love Kira. Um, my other daughters are here in Nashville. They're, you know, I can see them anytime I want and I don't have to worry about them. Um, but there is that absence that makes the heart grow fonder, I think. And right before she left, she wanted to sit down and we watched episodes of the show Steven Universe together. And it's a very sweet show and there's a lot of messages about growing up and becoming what kind of person you want to be. Um, in the show and now anytime I come across it cause it's on my Apple movies, anytime I come across it, I think of little scenes from it and get emotional <laughs> for this cartoon <laughs> where someone plays a ukulele for the theme song. <laughs> and it's, uh, uh, I love, I love, love, love that we have this, uh, I mean that humans have art in general. I think it's important and it makes us feel connection, uh, even when we're alone, to the larger story of life. And I love that we have found this way to talk to each other. The best part about this show is the fact that I have a a new friend who's a true and dear friend who I can talk to about anything. And, you know... Just the listeners are like out outside of this show. I, I, anytime I'm going through some real shit or 
some real tough times. Uh, you know, a Josh is always someone I can count on to to message and to talk me through things. And so that's I love this show, but my favorite thing about this show is just having a really wonderful friend. What if we announced that we're never talking again right now? We're like, we're like everything's done. How? Why'd you? Why'd you have to take it so blue and negative right there? Oh, because you I know you, my heart you couldn't never, handle the sincerity. You never, you never express your emotions to me. You're always just bottled up, and <laughs> you just dry. And... Okay. Oof. I think. I think. A hundred movies down. Mm-hmm. We did it. Let's keep fucking going. Uh, do you have, this was my, this was, I wanted this to be the grace note at the end. What is a movie that you want to do going forward? Do you have a wish for a movie going forward? I have a wish for, I have a great idea for an episode. Okay. Now, but you got to let me know. But, these movies were both in theaters together recently, and they're both about possession. Mm-hmm. And I think they couldn't be farther from each other. Talk about when evil lurks and the exorcist new believer, true believer. I think it's is it believers. It's something Whatever. David. What do you what do you think? When Evil Lurks versus David Gordon Green Exorcist to talk about two modern possession movies? I think there's a lot to say there. Yeah, and I think it's interesting um in the way that they're both in conversation with uh horror movies in general and like the genre of possession movies um and the th- the aims of both of them. I think they try to do different things and they're they're successful in different ways uh, or fall down on their face in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's, let's do that. And uh, I'll, I'll just say like with our release schedule going forward, we're, we'll try to get two weeks. We'll try yeah. to get a two week release. Um, sometimes it might be three. I, I, I will take responsibility. I am the reason that this show has been on hiatus. Just I have not mentally been around to really podcast much. So this one's on me. Mea culpa. Um, this show is never dead. Unless, unless we announce that the show is dead, the show is never dead. It's just in zombie state. But uh, I, I feel good. And I'm excited, especially as we get into the winter here. Um, I'm excited to bring some energy and some excitement to this and keep going. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I've been missing it. I miss talking to you every every 10 day or however often it is. Sometimes when we record, it's like practically back to back and then we go two weeks without without talking, you know, in voices, but, uh, I like having that regularity in my life. And, uh, this is some good Josh time. Josh needs his friend to time. <laughs> so this is important for Josh. 
I said this episode was going to be one hour long, and now we're almost two hours into it. This, yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I like. I don't. I don't. Remember, I don't know who posted it. Oh, hold on. Uh, hold on. This is going to be good. Uh, do you have? Are you on Apple? Yeah. Can Can you on Apple Podcasts? Hmm. I'm not on Apple Podcasts. I use Pocket Cast. But can you look at our show mm-hmm. and try to see if there's any reviews? Oh snap! Uh, let me see. Because we only have one review on Podcast Attic, and it's the one. Oh, oh, oh! I got him. I got him. Here okay. we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> someone says plenty of show too since the episodes are so long can be hard to find time to listen to that much but it's worth it because Sean S-H-A-U-N and Josh seem like sweeties on a cross continental journey of friendship Uh, four stars just wish it was a tiny bit tighter hard to fit into the pod schedule yeah fair Uh enough these were all back when we were really long-winded. Uh, the best smelling podcast on the internet. Yeah. We have nine nine reviews. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. And I'm proud to say we've never once on this show asked people to subscribe or review us. Because fuck that, that's just annoying. Yeah, so. that's ridiculous and uh Um, yeah i don't like that so we will see you again in uh two weeks approximately listeners with the new exorcist fresh believers maybe (laughs) and when evil lurks and i have been sean uh i am and will continue to be josh We'll see who I am tomorrow, mm-hmm. but until then, please be kind to yourselves first, and I really mean it. You gotta be kind to yourself first. That's, like, the most important thing. Once you're kind to yourself, please, like, if you hate yourself for something, if you're pissed off at yourself for something, if you think you're a piece of shit for something, it's not true, man. Just let it go. Be kind to yourself. I promise you. If you're kind to yourself, your life will just be better. And then you can open up yourself and open up your heart and be kind to your neighbors. And you'll take care of yourselves. And we can all take care of each other. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Good night.